0: It's time for Coffee with the Chicken Ladies, a podcast for people who love chickens. Hey everybody and welcome. It's Chrissy and Holly from Coffee with the Chicken Ladies and we're here and this is episode 8 of our new podcast where we talk about everything chicken, family, fun, and more chickens. More chickens. We drink a ton. I'm talking a ton of coffee. But most importantly... We hug our chickens every day. Or I attempt to hug my chickens every day. <laughs> we hug and kiss them. Don't forget to hug your chicken too. We drink coffee from our local little coffee house in Bel Air, Maryland. Coffee Coffee. What kind of coffee are we drinking today, hallie French roast. French. French roast is awesome. It's good. So if you're local um, and you like scones and all different kinds of coffees, head on over to Coffee Coffee. You will not be disappointed. So... What's been up with you lately? I'm growing a a beautiful bumper crop of radish greens in my big microgreen garden in the house. Wow. Yeah, they're delicious. I love them. A little spicy. The chickens love them. Pete won't touch them. Pete, come on. Eat these radish greens. Why aren't you getting your greens? (laughs) What are you up to? Yeah. Well, I decided, since we talked to Kate um, about the cocktails, and we were talking about starting like little herbs on the windowsills. Uh-huh that over the winter, I was going to start basil and mint in the house. So your little cocktail garden? It's definitely a cocktail garden. Nice. I found this really cool recipe somewhere in one of my books. You take blackberries and basil and you muddle them together and you make like a Moscow mule with ginger beer and vodka. That sounds amazing. Why aren't we drinking that right now? Because we're drinking coffee. Okay. Coffee's our first. I I want one of those sometimes. We have to drink that afterwards. That sounds amazing. I'll have to make us one. So I decided to grow the herbs plus... If I grow up big enough, the chickens can have some throughout the winter to right. give them some greens, along with the sprouts that I always grow. Uh-huh. So I'm trying to get all that stuff going. Sounds good. Because, I mean, it's cold. And I know. It just makes us think of spring to have can't growing things. We can let us go without complaining about winter. Wow, wow, wow. I always thought cold. we were going to suck it up and get through it. We're trying. Okay. That's, hence the cocktail. Drink. But we're growing things, right? It makes us feel closer to spring so come on spring it can't come soon enough i'm serious it never does so we're just trying to get everything going in the house so that we have some green for the winter right because it's cold so let me take a minute to tell you about iowa blue farm it's a woman-owned family-run all-natural chicken treat company it's in the midwest and we love those women-owned businesses we do thumbs up to them They make 100% all-American oven-dried black soldier fly grubs. And they make them for all different kinds of poultry. So whatever you have, chickens, turkeys, ducks, geese, you can use them. They're high in protein, very high in protein. And they calcium as well. They're a concentrated source of calcium, especially for your winter layers that are starting to lay eggs again. Yeah, they're definitely good for them. And, I mean, we need to keep going so as we get into spring and we get the abundance of eggs we want those eggs shells to be nice and hard We right. want the eggs to be healthy feeding them these natural snacks packed full of protein and calcium will definitely help and we keep saying it we cannot say it enough these birds see this blue bag And come run. They go crazy. They must love the taste of these grubs. They really go crazy for them. Mine never liked grubs before this. Mine would probably eat the grubs last. You know, that would be the last thing on the ground. They would eat them. Oh, no, they will rip this bag out of my hands. They see it. (laughs) And then they're really noisy, and they're like, come on. Yeah. So if you've not given them a chance, head on over to www.iowabluefarm.com and check out their website because their stuff is amazing, and they ship for free. Grown with love. Packed with care, shipping's always free. Always. So, now that we've got our greens, we got our grubs. Yes. We're gonna do da 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 da, da, da greens <laughs> <laughs> And this week we're talking about what is arguably the most known chicken in America, maybe the whole world. The Rhode Island Red. The Rhode Island Red. Yes. I mean, when you, when somebody says to you, you have backyard chickens, um, how many people, I can tell you probably 50 plus people have said, I'm a chicken farmer in my backyard, you got Rhode Island Reds. Right. Right. I, I mean, it's got to be the most popular, the first chicken that pops into people's heads in America. No doubt. And the funny thing about them is they were only accepted into the American Poultry Association's Standards of Perfection in 1904 and 1906, respectively. So, really, they don't go back that long? Not super old, no. They were developed in the late 19th century in New England. And like a lot of the early breeds, they were intended to be a dual-purpose breed. But what separates them is that they evolved into a breed kept primarily for egg production. And from what I understand, they're a high production in eggs. That's yeah. why they're used in a lot of crosses. Exactly. We'll talk about that more in a minute. So they're believed to have developed from crossing Malay chickens okay, and java chickens. That's one of our top chickens that we want to talk about. Right? With brown leghorns. And you know we love those leghorns. Okay, I'm noticing, like, right? something a, pattern. That keeps, a pattern that keeps going on here with these leghorns. Yes. Everybody wants the leghorn in their mix because they lay a ton of eggs. They do lay a ton of eggs. Ever since we talked about the leghorns, I've got to tell you, they have become one of my favorite breeds. I'm so interested in them now. They're fascinating. They're they're the underpinning breed in so many American breeds. Yes. And, and obviously in Europe as well. Definitely. I mean, they're a Mediterranean breed, so they it right. started there, but... Like, you were even saying today when you were out with Lucy, like, you don't even need a Bantam when you got Lucy here. I mean, she's bantam size. Right. Honestly, I mean, I, I get the value of va- Bantams. And in a month or so, we're going to do a whole show about Bantams. Yeah. But my question is, with a chicken that compact, do you really need a Bantam? That means almost an egg a day. Right. I mean, seriously. So, and I guess through the years people solve that value. Right. But you know what we're doing? We're talking about leghorns and not Rhode Island Reds. I do. we got to get off <laughs> that. We do have a lot of leghorns. That's sure. Yes. So, so Rhode Island Reds. Right. Melees and Javas and brown leghorns. Got it. Excellent layers. The yeah. average... 200 to 300? Exactly. Per um, year. That's good when there's 365 days in the year. Right. And we're going to talk about, right now, we're going to talk about the heritage breed Rhode Island Red. Okay. And we're going to talk a little bit more about the industrialized version of the Rhode Island Red. But the heritage breed Rhode Island Red, it all those things you want to see in a backyard chicken, in a homestead chicken, good foragers, active chickens, very hardy. That's one of the reasons they were super popular on they these were. early farms. And, again, still the most commonly known American chicken so give a little history on my family Uh uh-huh I come from Italian immigrant family yes came over and when my great-grandparents were chicken farmers the Bianca's the Nietos. The Nietos. okay. Okay, so they owned a chicken farm where they had thousands of chickens. And you know, it, that was such a huge part of the property near where I grew up, and all of that, before we were born, was a chicken farm. It was a chicken farm, and it was my great-grandparents who owned it and uh-huh, ran it. right. And my mom, will talk, she kind of has a little bit of a fear of chickens from living with so many, because her uh-huh. house was next door to the grandparents, right. which was on the chicken farm. Right. So she had this huge chicken farm, so she saw stuff that really shouldn't Yeah. See. So over the holidays, I was talking to my mom about it, and, you know, she's all about Rhode Island Reds, because that's what they had. That's what they had, okay. Because... It was a dual-purpose bird at that point, but the egg production is immense. Right. So, you know, definitely going even back to the early, this was like 1920s. And, you know, I was just thinking about that because they had Rhode Island ranch, which means brown eggs. And remember, in the 30s, that's when the white eggs started to become popular for whatever crazy reason. Right. So, you know, it's... definitely been around and it's so popular and so well known. And so the Rhode Island Red is a huge part of your personal history. It actually is. Having Uh great, you know, great grandparents who were chicken farmers. And I was like, I always wonder how I had this love for it. But now I know it's, it's in my blood. Right. And my mom always talked about growing up on a chicken farm. So, interesting. That's fascinating, really. Yeah. So, But it, she always wants me to get a Rhode Island red. Well, did you know that we're used to seeing the Rhode Island reds with the straight comb? Right. Did you know there's also a rose comb version? No. Yes. Yeah, so in 1904, the straight comb version of the Rhode Island red was accepted by the American Poultry Association, right. Sam to Perfection. 1906, the rose comb version was accepted. And even more interesting, there's a Rhode Island white with a, with the, with a rose comb. That's got to be a beautiful chicken. It has to be. I found it in the Standards of Perfection, but I wasn't able to find any examples of them yet. So we're on a mission to find that. We're going to find some pictures and put them up on our website. So back to the production versus non-production. The Livestock Conservancy lists the non-production Rhode Island Red, the heritage version, on the conservation list under the watch category. Uh Uh-oh. How can they be on the watch? They're so popular. They are, but again, they're looking for that older strain. And so there are some differences. They note that I'm going to uh, read a direct quote from the Livestock Conservancy's website. Okay. They say that the production strain of the Rhode Island Red has been selectively bred for more efficient egg production, so the chicken has become smaller, lighter colored, and less broody. Huh. Of greatest conservation interest are the old type Rhode Island Reds, which are larger, darker, and more broody. And you know what kind of chicken that reminds me of? What? An Orpington. I suppose it does. They're not as big as Orpington's, but this older strain of the Rhode Island Reds are this absolutely beautiful, deep maroon color. I'm saying the older version. Yeah, this bu- this beautiful, deep maroon color where the tail feathers almost look black, you know, with the green sheen. They're very handsome chickens. Yes. And they're definitely bigger than the modern-day Rhode Island Reds so, we're used to seeing. Once again, it goes back to people putting their hands into the pot right. and trying to overbreed and crossbreed. Different chickens to get the highest production on them rather than just letting them be. Honestly, I'm going to use the word exploit. Yeah. Because their egg laying ability has been exploited to a point where it has maybe detrimentally affected the breed. Right. So they're trying to say we need the old breed conservation breeding of the older version of the Rhode Island Red, right? Would look like a totally different chicken than what we see today because, you know, they're, like you said, the breed had totally changed. Right. And there's, we also should probably address the elephant in the room when it comes to the Rhode Island Red, and that's the rumors that they're aggressive. I've heard so many people say that they're aggressive. Well, we had our one of our first batches of chickens were Rhode Island Reds, right? And I will say that they were never. It was they were females. They were never aggressive with us. They right. weren't particularly super friendly. But, again, they might be a case of you get back what you put in. Right. We didn't spend a lot of time, you know, handling them. And, well, I would take back, like, aggressive. Well, you know, I've heard aggressive. I've heard I'll aggressive heard as well. Flighty, which is different than they aggressive. They never struck me as flighty. They actually were pretty smart chickens, honestly. Yeah. I mean, I think that... It's a, there's a difference a little of like they don't want to be held they don't want to be messed with they really weren't and that interested in that comes after you, right? When you go in. Now again, I've heard the roosters are aggressive, and so that, that gives me two questions. The first is have we have they been inbred or have they been exploited in production breeding to the point where it's affected their mind? Yeah, I mean it happens. It or or let's go all the way back to the beginning the beginnings of the breed where Malays and Javas were bred with. Bred Leghorns, right? Malays have a uh, reputation for being an aggressive chicken, especially okay, I the roosters. I don't know much about that one, so I'd have to rely on you. Malays are very game bird looking. Okay. It, we'll leave it there, but but, but it, they it's, have a reputation of not being a nice chicken. Yeah, exactly. So, and again, listeners, if you have Rhode Island Red roosters, we'd love to hear about their temperament. I'd love to see pictures of them too. Yes. Yes. I, I so personally, I've never had a Rhode Island Red. Uh huh. I know it's one breed that's always at the mill. Always. Every year. Here. Right. And, and they those, sell them. And those are hatchery. Those are from hatcheries. Yeah. So... So most likely not that old strain that you're looking not, for if you want to do some conservation they're breeding. They're the newer strain that's right. supposed to be lighter, lighter color, right. less broody. And less broody, yeah, if you're looking for industrialization... You don't want them to be broody. You don't want them to be broody. You no. lose egg production. Because when they're broody, they're not laying. So. They're not laying, right. So it just tells you. So they're there every day, but they... The immense... Reputation of this bird is to be aggressive and not be able to be handled. Right. So that's kind of steered me away a little bit. I right. have to say personally, uh-huh. I would, I maybe, you know, I'd love to hear back if someone has Rhode Island Reds, and I'm sure there are very sweet ones out there. Yeah, I just I personally mean, haven't gotten one yet. Ours were never aggressive at all. Again, I think they were very intelligent chickens. Yeah. I will say they had a pretty high prey drive like if there was a critter that they could eat they were the first ones in there yeah they had a high survival instinct there was one that was my sister's particular pet she was very sweet little red yeah she was very sweet I know my mom will be happy if I get a Rhode Island okay so that's like the chicken (laughs) she wants me to get So, again, if any of you are listening and you do have that older, that non-production strain of Royal Island Red, we would love to see photos or hear about oh, them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Send them to us. Beautiful chickens. Also, the the Rhode Island White with the rose comb. If somebody out there has that, I want to see that picture. Uh, yes, that must be a beautiful chicken. So, so, I guess we're ready to move on to our main topic for today. Sure. And this is one I'm kind of excited to talk about because it's one that's near and dear to us. Right. And that is... Chicken community. Right. Chicken buddy, having a chicken buddy. Or a chicken mentor. And Joe always laughs because he's like, (laughs) You guys talk about chicken buddies all the time. Well? And I'm like, Well, you know Holly Ann's my chicken buddy. (laughs) Uh, Yes. And to be fair, you know, we've been friends for 40 years, so that's kind of natural. You're not only my chicken buddy, you're my best friend. Right. uh, You know. I'm going to lean on you for stuff. Right. You've had chickens over 20 years. I've, I've had chickens five. So there's a big gap in, you know, time that you see things, and I'm going to lean on you, and I always do. That's <laughs> not going to change anytime. That's soon. what I'm here for. So, what we wanted to do is kind of talk about it to everybody. After joining Instagram as Coffee with the Chicken Ladies, right. we have felt that chicken community is so caring and loving and Yeah, accepting. they're really fantastic. I've been on Instagram for a few years, just as my farm, Baltimore Wool Company, right. you know, and there's some cheap and chicken people, and, and, and they're lovely, right. but once we launched Coffee with the Chicken Ladies, this sort of solid chicken community just kind of enveloped us, Oh, it's- and they're wonderful everyone has been super kind and wonderful Mm -hmm. and lovely to i mean it's added a lot to for us for our lives now the podcast we wanted to start to add to that community right to help build that community give everybody a place where we can you know sit down at our table drink some coffee and talk chickens because this is the thing the chicken keeper loves to talk chickens of course you love to talk chickens people who don't know it or love it, they don't want to hear about chickens. So you need someone that in your community that you can kind of reach out to. Unless they are a closet crazy chicken (laughs) lover. Which could happen. (laughs) So finding a group of people to be a chicken community with you is a really good idea. It is. It really, the va- it can't, you can't overestimate the value of just having someone who can share the joys and sorrows. Yes. I mean, there's a, a lovely lady who lives near me. We're friends. I wouldn't call us close friends. Right. But she lost a rooster, and she texted me, and she said, you're the only person who's going to understand why I'm crying over this rooster. How many times have you been on like Facebook, Instagram, and people choose the chicken part of that to put, you're the only people who will understand. Exactly. So there's a reason why. Now, so online chicken communities are big, which are awesome, which we're part of. Especially during COVID, when you can't be together. Right. Personally, face-to-face, you can't share space. And then the other thing that we were going to talk about, which we always say, is chicken buddy. And you know what? It doesn't have to be your best friend of 40 years. No. It can be a friend of a friend that you know has chickens, that you friend on Facebook, friend on social media or you have their phone number and you can message them and say oh no sure drusilla came out today and she can't walk right (laughs) right right i use an example because yes right so that you can bounce ideas off of and say what do i do oh my god when you're freaking out that person will be level-headed and can think right so having someone that's on the same page with you it's great. It really is great. I mean, and I mentioned a mentor because I've had some really excellent uh, mentors as I got into sheep. Okay. And the chickens, well, again, 20 years ago, you kind of stumbled around with chickens and you didn't have as much community. And I think it was less acceptable to have these beloved backyard chickens. Yeah. It was they kind were of more of a commodity. Right. So, you, you know, you really didn't, you didn't run around talking about hugging your chicken. No. Not the way we do now. But what I was going to say is sometimes if you find a breeder who has a a type of chicken that you want, they're going to do some hand-holding to help you get over some of these hurdles and teach you a bit. Because let's just be honest. I mean, I've had chickens five-plus years, but there's still a lot I don't know. I've had chickens for 20 years, and still things pop up that I don't know. Yeah, so you need a community to go back to. And this is what I was saying to you. Even, like, a book night. You could do it virtually at this point. Sure. a A little book club that people that have chickens, you read a book about it. A chicken book club. A chicken book club. Sure. And, you know, you get together, you talk about it, you have a glass of wine, and it's camaraderie. It's, yes, you understand me. I love these chickens. You don't think I'm a crazy chicken lady. Right. And it's good for the psyche to have people in your life that are on a common ground with you. Well, and again, sometimes you luck out, in my case, your spouse or partner is a person who is really on board with this and does all these things with you, and sometimes your spouse or partner predates the chickens and they're not as enthusiastic as you are. Hence, where I am. <laughs> <room. laughs> and I would—I just want to say, Joe is amazing. Well, we have had like long days recording, he gets us drinks, he makes us dinner, he's fantastic. Yes. But he just is not a crazy chicken man. He's not a crazy chicken man, but he's a loving, loving husband yes. who has done a lot for the chickens and me. And he's kind of like, you know, goes back to the story I told, honey, we have four chickens. What? <laughs> so, you know, so going chicken. to him, you know, when we met, we were 18, I was a veterinary technician. Right. So, you know, and I was in college studying animal medicine. Right. So he kind of knew what he was getting into, right? He did, but I don't think chickens ever entered his consciousness. <laughs> I really don't. No. Dogs, cats, even the parrot, Grayson, but not So in, you don't want to put chickens. pressure on somebody that's in your household, Like, you know, that's not into them. Right. So kind of networking. Sure. You know, reaching out to people. And we've been reaching out to people over Instagram and, you know, getting some relationships that way. And it's been so nice. Sure. So that's what we're saying is finding someone that is on common ground with you can be a really, really good thing. Right. I mean, sometimes even something as simple as, hey, have you used blank product and how did you like it? Exactly. Or this kind of food... Whatever, right. just bouncing an idea off of somebody. Yes, you know, not even in just an emergency situation, but you know, like an everyday situation, something comes right. up, and you know, you're like, okay, I need, I need assistance. Yes, what's going to happen? Right. So, all those things are good. Sometimes, if you're inexperienced, and you have a more experienced chicken mentor type relationship. I guess you're my mentor. <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll we'll call it that. Um, well, you're my best friend, my chicken buddy, and my chicken mentor. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> All I was going to say is every now and again, especially if you're new to chickens, you might, like, you might have an emergency and you don't know what to do. And sometimes it is easier to have a, a more experienced person say that you need a vet. And you're way more level-headed than me in that situation. Usually. No, like always. <laughs> I do remember egg-bound and egg, egg peritonitis and saying you need to get her to a vet.
1: Which I we did, and still
0: two weeks. It, it didn't, ha- I mean, two weeks of antibiotics, the vet, x-rays, everything. Right. It wasn't enough to save her, but I would do it all over again. Sure, of course. But, you know, you you need people out there and chicken community. Even if, you know, like you want to start this group or something, you put up a... Uh, post on the local right. tractor supply the mill or wherever uh-huh like, hey looking for you know to start a group and sometimes oh the mill is a great place like your farm supply store they do chick nights right in the spring that's a good place to learn to to make where some friends they explain yeah. to people that are first getting chickens right what to do and this is like at the point where you can meet somebody who's also getting chickens right yeah the mill does chicks night out they do, which is awesome. It's really cool. Yeah, that's great. Something like the poultry spot is not a bad place either. your network. Right? You can chat with breeders. You might meet someone like-minded. Maybe they're interested in your breed or they live near you and they right. also want to get chickens. Online chicken forums we talked about. Heck, you could start a your book club online and do Zoom. You could do a Zoom That's night. what I'm saying. Like, you yeah. could, There's so much that you could do. And now that there's a growing number of people who are in chickens, and it's kind of the in thing to do. Yeah, pet chickens are super popular. It's going to wave in and out. Yeah, absolutely. It's not going to change for me or you. Right. We're still going to have on whatever. Always. But finding these like-minded people in your community that are close to you that can help you out, even just a phone call, a message away is uh-huh. good. So that's what we're just saying, and we're giving praise to ours. I mean, being on Instagram has showed us what these people do. Like, I've actually seen, like, a chicken in trouble, and all the chicken people gathered up and had a GoFundMe page because they couldn't afford the vet bill <laughs> Right, for the I remember that, right, right. And I saw it after the fact, but, you know, it helped this person out. Sure. So this is what... Being together in a community, feel, in, in a time where you don't feel like that. Right. And and again, not to exclude any particular gender, but we do know that our followers are like 86% women. Yeah. And if you listen to psychologists, they say that women are hardwired cooperators. Right. So that sense of cooperation where you can work together to solve a problem is really great. Also because, you know, I'm the science dork. <laughs> study after study done by the business community shows that mentor relationships are beneficial to both parties. Definitely. And really, when you think about it, you don't have to do things exactly the same way as your chicken buddy or your mentor does. We all have our own path. Exactly. We all have different ideas and different ways we want to do things. But I think just that sense of validation. Yeah. And everybody is definitely different in many different ways. And say there's something that you're doing that your friend's like, I don't know. And they you know, like, hey, embrace differences. Embrace everybody's own self. And yeah, just in for the support of it. The support right, of right. it is worth it through everything. And having that community to be there, hey, it helps out our friends who aren't chicken people because we're talking less to them about (laughs) chickens. I suppose that's true. I don't know. Pete, am I talking less about chickens? (laughs) I'm not sure that I am. Joe would be like, get out. Because there's like 5,000 chicken tchotchkes in this house. (laughs) I mean, mine too. Yeah, we're both the same. My house is a lot smaller than yours. (laughs) He's like... Don't come in that door again. I'm like, oh, I'm coming in that door with a chicken. What does he want? Chicken's popped up in the garage? (laughs) (laughs) Chicken dishes in the garage? It's coming in. It's coming in. It's coming in. So, you know, I think that's good. So (coughs) speaking of, you know, camaraderie, we kind of looked for a recipe that you could make with friends. (laughs) (laughs) you can eat with friends that's for sure which we did and it's another way to use some eggs yeah it's a a kind of a back to basics we went to a very basic cracking the eggs this time yes we did we're making mayonnaise mayonnaise that's a really funky way to say mayonnaise 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 okay we're making mayonnaise and you know you know what you do with mayonnaise sandwich spread, salad dressing coleslaw you can live without mayonnaise egg salad have you ever tried mayonnaise as a dip for fries no Uh, it's amazing some people have seen mixed mayonnaise and ketchup. Yeah, I've tried that. It's actually really good. That's I mean, in, in Europe, there are definitely people who use mayonnaise instead of ketchup for fries. Oh, wow. Just give it a try, especially with the homemade stuff. It's And homemade, you delicious. can't go wrong. Right, I mean, right. No the, preservatives. No preservatives. Everything is fresh. Uh-huh. Back to basics. Right. I mean, there are even cake recipes that use mayonnaise. You can make your own mayonnaise for a delicious chocolate like, cake. You know, when we're coming up in the spring and we have egg days, it's like, pardon the pun, extravaganza. Egg, yeah. When you have like fifty eggs on your counter, yeah, and then you're like, I can't eat another, you know, egg scrambled eggs or whatever. <laughs> it's time to make some mayonnaise because, right. okay, you you can it's fresh. You can make it, use it in your salads, like right. you said. Make dressings with it. It's the way to go. Oh, you can add herbs. You know, you can make dips with it. You can do all oh, kinds yeah, of things. You can make to a customize spicy mustard, which Joe would like. That's true. So mayonnaise is basically, at its most simple level, an emulsification of eggs, oil, and an acid. And the acid usually lemon juice or vinegar. But right. you can, you know, you can play with your vinegars and your flavors there. Yes. You can add other seasonings as you wish. Like we were just saying, you can put mustard in it. You can make an Italian mayonnaise. You can garlic garlic mayonnaise you, you always want that salt in there but different herbs you could do a mayonnaise garden on your windowsill chipotle mayonnaise i suppose that's true yeah or sriracha mayonnaise which no, i think is out there maybe probably but you don't like sriracha i don't like spicy me either joe is that's what joe loves wow okay no no i, I can't we would just spice. make it just for joe okay he, he likes it hot <laughs> <laughs> So most oils will work when you're creating your emulsification. We really like olive oil in there for all yes. those heart healthy properties, etc. Yes. But olive oil can taste strong. Yeah. So you want to cut it half with a neutral a more neutral oil. And we did just a basic vegetable oil, canola right. oil. So you can and the other fun thing with this is you can do it totally old fashioned. You can do it with a hand whisk. Oh my god. I would not recommend doing it again. I did it once. Do you know what it'd be old fashioned to me? A hand mixer. Yeah, you can do it with the hand mixer, too. Versus my big stand-up mixer. Right. The stand mixer. Here's the problem with the stand mixers, and that is, like, when you have the really big ones like we do, yeah. the whisk doesn't always come far enough down in the bowl It doesn't. to whip what you need it to whip. And the hand mixer, you control it. Exactly. So that's actually what I use. My, I either use my immersion blender or the hand mixer. Yeah. And you're, Or if you're going to do the hand whisk, you would do it all the same way you want to be that farm girl. Right. You're whisking and beating your eggs, and as they start to get some air incorporated into them, you start adding the oil, and you add it drop by drop. Kind and, of like the whole thing like with the food processor idea when you're making a dressing, uh-huh. and you're pouring the pouring oil it in slowly, right? it's all turning. You need it to emulsify. So once once your mayonnaise starts to emulsify, you can switch to a stream of it right. as you as you beat it. Here again, a lot of recipes call for egg yolks only. We don't go down that road. We use the whole egg for our mayonnaise. And I yeah. think it gives you a richer flavor. It does. And the egg white, you can't go wrong with adding it in. It's healthy. It's perfectly healthy, protein, et yeah. yeah. And so, again, if I'm going through the trouble of making mayonnaise, I don't feel like separating eggs. Yeah. Whole eggs. Yes, just put them all in there. Because I don't eggs. want to think about how I'm going to use them. No. Don't use them in my recipe. No, no. So that's our mayonnaise. And um, hey, we can make it our own in many different ways. Again, yeah, you know we're all about customizing things. Totally. Now I really want mayonnaise with basil and garlic that I can dip fries into. Oh, that would be really good. That sounds good. I'm hungry. I'm growing the basil out. over for there we, go. there we go. There we go. Your cocktail garden is going to do double duty as a mayonnaise garden. <laughs> yeah. I like <laughs> you gotta it. you got to use it for all of that stuff. Uh-huh. Okay. So, one of our favorite things is retail therapy. That's right. Should we move on? Yes, I think we can. I think... Our mayonnaise making check out. We'll probably put some videos up or some yeah. pictures of us doing the mayonnaise. Yeah, because I really do want um, basil mayonnaise. I'm actually really hungry. You <laughs> <Me laughs> too. Made me hungrier. <laughs> I know. We can't talk about food anymore. Let's okay. move on to our retail, retail spotlight. Spotlight. So da- sister. Yes. This is really fun. Our retail spotlight is a lady named Laurel Jackson. You can we met through Instagram. Right, you can find her on Instagram. Her account is at Soulful Chickens. Yes, and you know what? That that just all ties in and that's why we wanted to do her this this week is because yeah. It's that chicken community on Instagram where we meet everybody. Right. Laurel has a background in fine arts, and she loves to spend a lot of her free time creating these absolutely beautiful pen and ink drawings of chickens. And we woke up, I think it was like Thanksgiving morning, and we were blown away by her drawing of us. Right, so she she drew a pair of... Coffee with the Chicken Ladies inspired hands. It was so cute. I loved it. Just adorable, really fun. Loved it, loved it, loved it. And so we started speaking with her and realized that she's quite the artist. And she does do print. She does do print. Um, she, well, she sells her original artwork. Yes. She does other sorts of arts. I'm, be- I'm pretty sure she's an interior designer That's by day. That's what she, yes. And she does some other artwork. She does other paintings that are really lovely. She has And if you follow her on Instagram, color. she posts it all. And right. And it it's gorgeous. So what she said, Laura said she loves to sit down and get lost in the Instagram feed of chickens. I do too. Yeah. <laughs> she'll take the time. She'll get on her sketchbook. And she said, I just love what people are putting out there. For me, it's honoring my artistic abilities to pay tribute to all these people and chickens who are trying to live their best lives by creating something sustainable for themselves. It's a really interesting time. And you know what, This—it's—it's it's, people that have chickens are happy. Generally unless you have a chicken emergency, but that's, that's not talking about a, right, exactly. Okay, so you know, we're happy people and she was telling us that her brother has chickens. Right. Right. And that she loves to kind of just dive in and make these pictures and they are gorgeous. So if you follow her, you can just follow her on Instagram You'll see all the stuff that we've been seeing, and we're amazed by it. Oh, yeah. It's, it's so pretty. Just the pen and ink drawings, she captures the chicken expression so beautifully. And what I love is with the pen and ink drawing, you see all that gorgeous feather texture. Oh, yeah. She does such an amazing job of capturing that. So her all of her original art on Instagram is for sale. Yes. Plus, she takes commissions. Yes. So if you have a special bird that you want captured in a drawing... Message her on Instagram again at Soulful Chickens, and then we have it's about seventy-five dollars plus shipping right. on eight by ten, which is not bad for something that is for a custom piece of artwork that is a hand. really good price, right? Yeah, so I mean, check her out; definitely worth it. And we have enjoyed getting to know her. Yes. So just go out and look at her stuff; you won't be disappointed with it. I just keep thinking what a special gift that would be for someone who needs a, a special memory oh, commemorated yeah. chicken cards. Yeah. I saw her do cards on there. Yeah. She was Look it. So it's definitely worth it. Give her a follow. Check out her stuff. If you love chickens, you're going to love it Again, stuff. at Soulful Chickens on Instagram, and I have that in our show notes. So what, so, what are we going to talk about next week? Next week, uh, we're going to talk about the Java Chicken. Yay! We're also, this is going to be a super fun episode. We're also going to talk chicken training with Jeannie Keys. I am so excited to talk to her. The author of Click With Your Chick. I cannot wait. We love that book. We really do. And then our Cracking the Eggs is Devil with Eggs, Five Ways. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, fun stuff. I'm really hungry. Let's go eat. So, until next week, don't forget to hug your chicken every day. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye. If you'd like to see more from us, follow us on Instagram at Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. To send us comments, feedback, suggestion, or questions, email us directly, Chrissy and Holly at CoffeewithTheChickenladies.com. Thanks for listening. Ha, ha, ha,